we'll take a listen to today. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, Bruce. Good to see everybody this year, this morning. Um, in case you were wondering, because several people have asked, yes, Bruce and I are wearing the same shirt. <laughs> I just wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way in case there was tension in the room. You never quite know how people are going to react to that. I had a hunch it was going to happen today. Um, today, uh, I actually have the honor of wrapping up this series we've been going through called Fresh Air, Life in God's Kingdom. And in this series, we've been looking at uh, different aspects of life in God's kingdom. So everybody, uh, as we finish up the series, everybody just take a de deep breath. <sighs> it's probably been a busy week for everybody. You're, maybe you're starting a new week. Hopefully this is a breath of fresh air. But in this series, we've been looking at the refreshing life that really is found in the kingdom, which is very, very, very different than the refreshment that is offered in our world. So I wanted to show a clip real quick uh, as we get started, and it's going to be shorter than I said, so I'm going to say when to stop, if you don't mind. Okay, let's show that clip. Here in my garage, just bought this uh, new Lamborghini here. It's fun to drive up here in the Hollywood Hills. But you know what I like a lot more than materialistic things? Knowledge. In fact, I'm a lot more proud of... Okay, cut it right there. Who, who, who's actually seen this? Anybody? Okay, a couple of, All right, I'm not the only one. Who clicked on it? I clicked on it, okay? Why, did, why would a guy like me click on this? I drive a Corolla. I don't drive a Lamborghini. Why would I click on this ad? This, I mean, if you were on the internet in 2015, which pretty much everywhere was, this was on like every video I was watching. I don't know about you guys, but um, basically it's an ad for a course, of course. He's got, uh, he starts off by saying, you know, here, here I am, no, no problem, humble brag just up in the Hollywood Hills with my Lamborghini, just hanging out in my garage. But you know what I like more than all this stuff? My books. I clicked on it because I was thinking, well, I like to read. Um, and if that has any way to get me the Lamborghini, then maybe, you know, I'll check it out. But I'm not clicking on an ad if I look at it and go, eh, this guy's life's okay, but I don't, I don't really care. I, you know, you click on ads, you check out things that are uh, products and services that offer you something better than what you currently have. So in this series, we have been looking at a life that's just, just wildly, wildly different than what the world would normally say is going to, uh, to make you happy. And again, Lamborghinis are awesome, Ferraris are cool. Uh, but there is a life uh, that is offered in Christ that's radically, radically different than anything that's offered on a commercial that we see in the news. You're not seeing this stuff sold. So today, uh, we're going to look at a text that's basically kind of like Jesus giving his own commercial. So if Jesus was giving a commercial, what, what would be in his content? Again, it's going to be a little bit different. And uh, it might be shocking. It was definitely shocking for this, uh, this commercial for his disciples. And so hopefully, you know, maybe we'll be shocked as well in probably a good way. So let's start. We're going to read uh, Mark chapter 8 verses 31 through 38, and it says, Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and rise again after three days. He spoke op openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he, re uh, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. 
you're not, you not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. So Jesus, uh, it's very important. If you read through this, we're going to see there's a lot of indicators of who Jesus is talking to. So this was speaking kind of openly to the band of disciples that Jesus had. So if you pay attention to that, he's talking to guys who really get what he's trying to do. And he's trying to let them know about something that's about to happen to him that they're going to want to know about that. I would say if you're following your leader and, and some bad stuff's about to happen to him, you're going to want to know it's coming. So he, he tells him he's going to suffer, he's going to be rejected, he's going to die. And of course, we know he rises again, so he's told him that. But this is the, the opposite of the easy way. This is the opposite of I'm hanging out in my garage with a Lamborghini. This is, this is really difficult, difficult news that he's trying to say. And Peter, who's like one of the lead disciples, this is a guy that's very, very close to Jesus. He takes him to side and he rebukes him. Now, that's obviously very harsh. He's trying to get, get Jesus to, to stop saying what he's saying, to stop trying to let people know that he's going to suffer and have all these bad things happen to him. Um, and if you read about Peter, you, you would realize that he's not doing this out of disrespect. He's not doing this uh, because he's trying to, like, sh take the, the, the limelight for himself. He really actually is probably looking at this situation and saying, man, I really, I love Jesus. I need to take him aside, let him know. He can't be talking like this. People are going to start getting worried. People are going to stop following. They're not going to realize who he's going to be. Uh, he probably was looking to help out here, actually. And he knew who Jesus was. If you read before uh, this chapter, we find a lot of things out about Jesus. Uh, miracles that Jesus did, feeding lots and lots of people, uh, things that were truly, truly miraculous. And Peter was actually one of the first ones to say, hey, Jesus, you are the Lord. You are the Son of God. There is no one on earth like you. You are God. Like Jesus, or Peter knew this. So this is kind of a really weird scene. Number one, because Jesus is giving everybody the really, really sad news that something really bad is about to happen, and they're going to watch it happen. Then there's a second thing where Peter is wanting to defend Jesus and not, make a, you know, not let him make a fool of himself. And so he thought, you know what, I need to spare Jesus. Now, why would he do that? I think two things are probably what was going through Peter's mind. Maybe one was that he thought that suffering was not something that was going to be required of Jesus completing his mission. Like, dying? That's ridiculous. You're going to be the king of the world. Like, why would you need to die? So that's one thought. The other thought is maybe, um, maybe he thought that Peter and his other band of disciples would somehow be able to stop this. It's like, hey, no, 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 don't talk about suffering and being rejected and being, and being killed. We're going to stop that. There's no way that's going to happen to you. So one of those probably was going through Peter's head. And uh, if you've read anything about Peter, you, uh, you'd realize this is kind of his classic MO. And actually, if you know anything about me, there's a lot about Peter that, that I get, I go, ah, man, he sometimes looks pretty dumb, but man, me and him, we got a lot in common. One is um, he's, uh, he's sometimes extremely passionate with very little understanding. Like sometimes, he, he, like Peter's the guy, the first guy that's going to jump in and get on board and go do something, but he doesn't always have all the facts. Uh, one of the type, one of the... Uh, one of the times, um, uh, Jesus, you know, comes to his disciples. This, again, is right before Jesus is going to die, and he says, hey, listen, 
Um, you know, again, all this stuff is going to happen tonight, and, and, Jesus, and, uh, and so you guys need to prepare yourselves. And Peter says, no, Jesus, I, we would never let any of this bad stuff happen to you. And he says, hey, no, Peter, actually, you're going to be one that's going to deny me three times. Not only are you, you, you not going to stop this, you're actually going to continue denying me. So Peter didn't think that was going to happen. Of course, that's exactly what happened. Another time when Jesus was being taken away uh, to be killed, uh, Peter, again, completely uh, just in the passion of the moment, trying to save the day, pulls out a sword out of nowhere and cuts the guy who's trying to take Jesus' ear off. I don't know, again, how much you've read about Jesus. That's not what Jesus was looking to accomplish here. So Jesus heals the guy, takes, puts his ear back on, we move forward. But Peter's story actually should be an inspiration to all of us. If you consider yourself a person that might be a little impulsive, uh, gets passionate but maybe doesn't have all the facts, Peter is your story. And there's a lot of inspiration to take today because as many times as, as Peter got it wrong, uh, God does a lot of work in Peter's life. And Peter actually ends up being one of the bedrocks of the building and expansion of God's church. And so it's really, really, really interesting uh, to see how the story starts off with Peter trying to stop Jesus. And in fact, another interesting note is that Peter ends up dying just like Jesus did, being crucified. So uh, where did Peter go wrong in this whole thing? Was it, was it wrong to try to stop Jesus uh, from telling people that he was going to suffer? So again, Jesus rebuked Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking of God's concerns, but human concerns. So uh, this wasn't hyperbole that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I don't know, I feel like this has been said enough time, or maybe I've read this story enough that I sometimes kind of like let that, you know, die down. Why did he say like, get behind me, Satan? I don't think it was hyperbole that he was saying that. I think that Peter genuinely didn't see that in this moment he was being used by Satan. Satan was trying to stop Jesus from doing what would eventually save the world of their sins. And so uh, by Peter uh, getting involved here, even if he had good intentions, was literally unknowingly being used by Satan to stop him. Another thing that's kind of interesting is that uh, Peter has pretty much a legitimate concern. If you're in Peter's shoes, we would probably all look over at what Jesus is doing and say, I care too much. I'm too concerned. I don't want... I don't talk about suffering because, like, I'm going to stop it. I'm not going to let somebody in my life that's in pain suffer. There's no way I'm going to let that happen. But it's kind of an interesting note that, obviously, Jesus, uh, this, was, this was intentional that Jesus was saying this. And so the concern was kind of misguided, and he didn't realize that he was being used in this moment. And then finally, just Peter was mistaken. He didn't realize that uh, the sacrifice that Jesus was talking about here, uh, that he was about to make, and anybody who's looking at the program is realizing there's blanks coming. Uh, this, this sacrifice that he's talking about is required. It's not an option. I honestly am right with Peter on this one. When it comes to some of the sacrifice that I hear about that Jesus made for us, that the early church made, it's really daunting, honestly. And it can almost feel like that's something for those guys to do, but somebody like normal couldn't do this stuff. But it's actually, 
as Jesus is about to say, going to go a lot more deep than this. It's actually not an option for the believer. This is something that continually, as you follow Jesus and you, you walk with him, you'll continue kind of coming to these forks in the roads where it's the choice between having to suffer, having to, having to sacrifice, and, and just kind of taking the easy way out. So what would happen if Jesus took the easy way? This is a really, really important question to ask. What would happen if he, was, he didn't suffer, if he wasn't rejected by the leaders of the church, if he didn't go to the cross for us? Jesus went to the cross and, and died the most brutal death that could possibly be imagined. He did this because he wanted to pay for the sins that we committed. Not that he committed, but that we committed. He did this because he wanted to allow us to have the free gift of eternal life. He did this because he wanted to allow us to turn from going our own way that always leads to destruction, that we choose almost every time, and give us a new way, a new way of doing things. He opened the way to allow us to make him the Lord of our life. And honestly, it gets me a little emotional just thinking about it because this is, uh, this is not something necessarily we, we spend enough time thinking about that Jesus Christ literally had to do this. He had to make the sacrifice. Because if he didn't, all of us would be on our own. So, of course, we read a story like this and it's easy to take a step back and say, okay, Peter, Peter didn't know what he's doing. But, um, but if we were in this situation, maybe we would make the same mistake. Maybe you're impulsive like me, and you would jump right in, and you'd want to stop Jesus from doing this. Like, yeah, we're not, we don't have to do the suffering thing. But how about today? Uh, sure, Jesus had to do all this stuff, and it's good. I mean, that's why we gather here. We want to worship God. He is unique. Jesus Christ is the only man who ever died for all the sins of mankind, who, is, who was also a perfect man. Um, but do we believe that this is something that is for us too? Like that Jesus would actually be calling us to sacrifice. And for us today, is suffering necessary? Is there a situation where we would need to be rejected? For the, for the right reason, not, not because we did something stupid, but for the right reason. Is dying necessary, or could it ever be necessary? Uh, Peter clearly got it wrong based on what Jesus was trying to communicate, but maybe we do too. And this is an extremely powerful message for a place like Santa Clarita. I mean, I'm looking at the beautiful snow. We have, live in an amazing city. I mean, this is a very comfortable place. But I don't, I don't always feel like the sacrifice that I'm called to make is quite like this scene where it's so clear-cut where Jesus is coming up and saying, hey, this is what is about to come. Um, I think it maybe looks a little bit more like this. I have a little video, so get ready. Starting the day with your customized alarm, falling asleep listening to calm, Routes to work on Google Maps, group chats on WhatsApp, podcasters, bloggers, influencers, vloggers, the one thing you must do to live longer. 
BuzzFeed headlines, climate deadlines, searching Google for answers, binge-watching TikTok dancers, tear gas placating the masses, organic food packaged in plastic, the Great Pacific garbage patch, the 10-year challenge, two essential steps to achieving a life of balance, $30,000 sneakers, robot teachers, Kim Kardashian's maternity dress, three vital habits that guarantee success, Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z, Generation Alpha, 4G, 5G, 6G, AI, VR, 360, drive-through pharmacies, pills to help you sleep, pills to keep you awake, pills to stop the side effects of the pills you take, same-day delivery, targeted ad epiphanies, fraud your wealth, pouting for a selfie, four important ways to getting more healthy, the political left, the political right, polar bears standing on melting ice, Alexa, what's the meaning of life? Fast fiber, driverless cars, holes in the ozone, colonizing Mars, posting pictures of your best day ever on Insta, Twitter, Snapchat, Meta, five quick cheats to make your life better, deep fake, fake news, January blues, cancel culture, guilty until proved, Netflix, Prime, YouTube TV, HBO, Crunchyroll, sunsets via live stream, and Black Friday panic, space junk all the planet, rising prices, hospitals in crisis, six tips to help you become more decisive, seven techniques that guarantee rest, an ever-growing sense of hopelessness, eight proven methods to help you worry less, where do I fit in all of this, nine secrets for reducing stress, I search for my soul in this modern wilderness, ten top tips to have the best year yet, to make happiness increase, to find the life you seek, Trying to buy my peace, trying to find myself, trying to be like everyone else, doing everything this world expects of me. I'm liked, I'm followed, I'm viral, I'm trending, life unending in this kingdom of plenty. So why do I feel so empty? All right, whose heart bra- or, uh, blood pressure went up on that one? As I was going through that, the first time I thought to myself, well, I'm not really big into social media, so like, yeah, this probably doesn't really apply to me, whatever. But the second time I was watching, there were quite a few that jumped out at me, um, looking for answers to solve big problems. I mean, who hasn't Googled something lately that you go, there should be a better way of doing this? Uh, the pressure of getting things, uh, the work that we have to do, the amount of work it really takes to get the things that we need in life. There's a lot of pressure there. How about a relationship? I remember when my wife and I were dating, um, I wasn't having very much luck in finding the kind of person that I was looking for, and I remember just the ridiculous amount of pressure and time and thought that went into that. Um, I mean, I don't don't have to really, uh, I don't think it said anything about kids or family, dealing with family. Uh, but there's a ton of, ton of pressure and time uh, that goes into that. And uh, I honestly want good things for my kids. And that creates a lot of stress as I'm trying to figure out how to make all that work. I, I want good things for my family. And so that creates a lot of stress and a lot of um, a, a, a chance for me to chase after something, thinking that that's going to fix that problem or that's going to solve what I need. 
or maybe at work, you know, obviously that's an unending uh, thing, the amount of work that we have to do to support the life uh, that we live, to, to make ends meet, to make things work. And then you decide you're going to take a vacation, and who hasn't at some point, maybe even this year, said, why did we do that vacation? Like, that was just completely unrefreshing. That just pulled it out of me, and it cost so much money, so now I feel like I need to work so much to catch up. So maybe one of these uh, specifically wasn't, uh, wasn't on your radar or the pressure that you feel, but maybe there's something else that's bubbling up. Maybe think about that. But we fill our lives to the brim with so many things that take so much time. They take literally our life. It's costing us our life. It's taking all of it, and it's just empty. It's not, it's not going to do anything for, to bring us the pleasure that we're looking for, and it, it ultimately doesn't do anything. But it does take a lot of energy. It takes time. We give it all this attention, all this cost. And Jesus is offering us something different. And again, depending on your perspective on life, this is either going to be a really exciting message for you or this is going to be one of those hard ones. So buckle up. But Jesus doesn't want anyone to miss what he's trying to communicate because it's not, it's not going to be what we necessarily on the first, you know, hear, want to hear. It's not, it's not what, again, it's not you're standing in the garage with your Lamborghini. It, this is going to be a tough lesson that he wants to make sure that every single disciple and anybody within ear reach can hear. So he says, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them. So again, that's very important. So we've seen that he called his disciples and he's talking to them about what he's about to suffer then Peter pulls him to the side and says, hey, let's not talk about that stuff. And then Peter's like, no, rally everybody. I want everybody to know about this, not just the disciples. I want anybody that can hear this to hear it. If anybody wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me in the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? Whoever is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in glory with his Father and the holy angels. So he gives us two things, two things that we can do here. If we deny ourselves, we take up our cross. So what does it mean to deny ourselves, well, pretty simple. We'll keep this really easy. Self-denial involves saying no to yourself, kind of self-explanatory. But often we experience uh, great joy in following Jesus. But as we are called to repeated self-denial, we feel like Jesus is trying to take all the fun of things out of things. I know this has been my personal experience. Where early on in my walk with God, I'm excited because I've been saved, and man, I am excited to follow after Jesus, it's an adventure. But over time, you know, these pressures, they creep in, and Jesus is, is sharpening me, and he's changing me, and he's working on me, and it feels sometimes wearisome to, to hear Jesus saying, hey, this thing that you really want, you're not going to get it. This thing that, uh, that you want, which would be easy to pursue after, I actually want you to redirect to this thing that's much harder and seems like it's going to be just not as satisfying as the other thing. 
Jesus is really clear here. If we follow him, we are going to have to repeatedly deny ourselves. So again, happy Sunday morning message here. I know most of us, if you're like me, you start thinking about this time of the day, about work tomorrow, and you're thinking, man, I got so much stuff to do this week. I just, I just recharged maybe a little bit over this weekend, and now we have to go back to it. And now Barry came up here to speak. Bruce is usually pretty positive. Barry comes here today, and now he's talking about denying himself. This is an awful Sunday. We got the beautiful sunny, sunny mountains, or the, the beautiful snowy mountains, and here I'm talking about denying myself. But sometimes we go overboard. Um, as we're following Jesus Christ, we figure if something is good for us or something that we really want, that Jesus is going to say no. That's, that has probably been the error that's messed me up the most in my following Jesus, has been thinking that he doesn't want good things for me. In fact, uh, it says in James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like sifting sand. The truth is, the really, really good stuff is created by our Father, and he wants it for us. Um, but what does, uh, what does the self want? What do we want? We want ease. We want it uh, to be accepted and fit in. Honestly, I know I, that's a big one for me. We want pleasure. We want safety. We want the good things. Uh, we don't have to turn into monks here. Uh, to accomplish denying yourself. In fact, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was out there with the people. He lived a very relational life. He wasn't completely uh, miserable. He enjoyed good things. But we must be aware of how uh, we follow Jesus. We will have to repeatedly deny ourselves. So just put this on your radar. If you want to follow after Jesus Christ, we will, over and over, have to deny ourselves. So what is, it, uh, what is that second part? Take up your cross. So the cross was a tool, uh, basically, of capital punishment. John Piper puts it this way, uh, this tool was utterly shameful. It led to suffering and it led to death. When we take our cross we willfully, just like Jesus Christ, our Lord, did, he took on the cross absolutely willfully. When we take on the cross willfully, we're taking on an instrument that leads to us losing our lives. So we have to be very, very clear about that. Because that has to be a very specific choice. Like, Jesus is not looking to twist our arm or force you, force you to do something. We have to willfully choose this. So why would we do this? I mean, we're pretty comfortable here. We probably could, could skate. Why would we possibly do this? And at this time in history, we don't see a lot of uh, persecution. There are parts of the world where literally, just for following Jesus Christ... Um, you could die. That's not really the case right here. There is a lot of pressure coming uh, for people who follow the way of Christ because the standard that we follow, the Bible, is not very popular. Not only will it not be popular uh, in the future, maybe it might be something that leads to suffering and you know, physical death. But here in Santa Clarita, as we follow Jesus and we identify with him repeatedly, we're going to experience people who think what we're doing is not a good thing. Uh, we will experience loss, and maybe in the future there might be some harm that comes to us. Uh, why would that be worth it? Jesus is being very clear with them back then, and he's being very clear with us today, that, that there is a price that's going to have to be paid 
for the kingdom to continue to move forward. So again, this is where it's upside down. So how do we do this? At Value Lights, we give three very practical things that all of us can do to get started on this path. Again, it doesn't start <laughs> where Jesus is taking on, where you're dying uh, for the sins of mankind. There's three very, very simple things. They might not be easy, but they are ways that we can deny ourselves and take up our cross to move the kingdom of God forward. So we call these our heart attitudes. So uh, Bruce talked about the first four last week, which are specifically about how we relate to one another. They're extremely helpful. They've been very helpful to me. These, these last three are heart attitudes that are related to how we relate as an organization. These are things that when you say, hey, I want to be a part of Valley Lights Church, what do I do? These are the kind of things that you're going to hear over and over. The first one is to participate in the ministry of the church. So uh, a starting point for this can be signing up on your connection card, which you all have today, uh, to maybe help set up or tear down for Sunday mornings. That's just a logistical thing. We meet in the rented junior high, and so uh, and it's awesome that we get to meet here. We've met at a bunch of different places. I would say this is the best place we've ever met. But the price of being here, to be in literally the middle of this community, to be here, is that we set up and tear down. So one thing that we can do that is inconvenient, that we have to deny ourselves, is you can say, hey, count me in. I'm going to sign up. I will be there to help set up and tear down. By doing that, not only do you get to know people, which is really, really nice, but you're part of pulling the weight of an effort that would absolutely not happen if you didn't get involved. By moving the mission forward, by participating in the ministry, we're a part of spreading the message of what Jesus Christ has done for us and helping people come in and be a part of this. So your sacrifice is absolutely worth it. So if you want to get started, that might be your thing. The second thing is heart attitude number six. This one is support the work financially. Again, kind of like the first one, if, if, we don't, uh, if we don't have the funds to do this, which we can't do, any one person probably couldn't put all the money it takes to, to, to carry the church as one person. We, we spread that out. We do this together. Um, so again, this is yet another one of those things that's not very convenient. We, we all have, I mean, I would say, maybe, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't. We all have some sort of limit on our funds. There's some lid. So we have to make wise decisions on how we use the money that we have. And to give to one thing might be to not give to another thing. And so, um, so that's another one of those things where by giving and participating uh, with your finances, you, you might have to deny yourself and, and take a step back on some things that you wanted to spend your money on. In fact, we did a, a message series in the fall called The Financial Squeeze, which was a really helpful uh, message series on kind of some pr perspective on why we have money, like why we, why, or what the Bible says uh, is how we should use our money. It's really, really helpful perspective. Uh, maybe that would be something that would be helpful for you to go through. But the basic thing is, is that uh, God is the one where all of our resources come from. And we have an opportunity to use those things to move his mission forward. So that's another area where we could sacrifice, deny ourselves. The final one is um, uh, heart attitude number seven, which is to follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. To get things done over a long period of time, the church really needs strong scriptural leadership. 
And in order for us to get all this done, following leadership at a, at a variety of levels is really, really, really important. God is the one who we believe ultimately puts leaders in, uh, in, in authority. And he has created uh, kind of boundaries that they have to operate in. But as long as our leaders are, are doing that, it's our opportunity to deny ourselves and follow them. This has been uh, something that I've found uh, to be both enjoyable but also a real challenge over time. Because you're not really following until you disagree with the leader. So I'm, I'm American, and following sometimes can be really difficult because I say, you know what, I know better than they do, or I, I don't, I don't want to do that. That's, uh, that's, not wh- that's not where I want to go. Well, in the situation where you put yourself under leadership, we just have to constantly deny ourselves and say, you know what, if this is the direction that you're leading us, I'm going to choose to follow and and let God come through for you. But this is, again, it's an opportunity to deny yourself. These are three practical ways. And maybe uh, you've been a part of Valley Lights Church for a little while. And, uh, you know, you're, you've been practicing these hard attitudes. And so this isn't really where you're at. But maybe as we've been talking about sacrifice and something that maybe God's been putting his finger on, um, we need to be aware that we're going to continually run into this thing. Maybe God has made you aware of something this morning that he wants you to, uh, to give up or to sacrifice for his greater mission. I would encourage you to write that down and take it very seriously. Another thing is that uh, for some of you, you don't have something specific, uh, but you just feel like this is an issue that you've never really dealt with properly. You've, you've felt in the past like God's called you to sacrifice something, and you said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. Or I don't want to do that. Maybe this is something to highlight for yourself and say, you know what, moving forward, I follow Jesus Christ. Moving forward, if he calls me to sacrifice something, I am going to do it. And for some of you, you've been on the path for a while, and you've sacrificed over and over and over. And I think what you need to hear today is that keep going. This is a race that we're all running together. And as we sacrifice it takes encouragement to know that, hey, I'm not the only one doing this. You're not. We as a church are looking to encourage one another to keep running this race together. And um, as we kind of wrap up this morning, uh, uh, my wife was sitting right there, so I was going to point to her, but she's not there. Um, but when, when my wife and I decided to, to join the team and follow Bruce out here to plant Valley Lights, uh, there were a lot of sacrifices and things that we knew were going to be part of the deal. But it didn't start with saying, hey, we want to drop everything and move to a new city to start a church. It started way back, and actually it started for my wife and I, both when we were single. We were serving at separate churches. She was at Stone Arbor Church, and I was at a church called Church in the Valley. And it started with little things. So something comes up at the church where you're going to be able to be a big help. But it turns out that the TV show that you wanted to watch or the sporting event that was coming up that night that you know is only coming up that night, Thursday night football, whatever, is going to be on and you're going to miss it. So this is kind of like the small level things. At one point, those were really, really, really difficult. But after time, you kind of go, you know what? I didn't do it. And then, uh, or I said, no, I'm not going to watch the show. I'm going to go help out with the thing. And maybe you were even a little begrudging. But what I noticed is that, man, I got a lot of refreshment, and it was really cool to see that I was a big help to these people. 
So suddenly the next time it becomes a little easier. Or um, prioritizing what other people want over what I want. That used to be a really, really big thing. It's like, oh gosh, why do we always have to do what they want? But honestly, those things, you know, they, they, with time that's changed for me. Then there became some kind of like medium size sacrifices that I've had to make. Uh, one was like uh, giving to the church when it felt like a real burden. Uh, that was something that over and over I've had to deal with that one. Uh, choosing to drop my plans when an opportunity came up. You know when people need help? When I got plans, <laughs> that's when people need help. And honestly, there's some great opportunities to help people in some of the most crucial times in their life. But you got other things to do. That's something that we've had to deny over and over. Um, there have been a lot of opportunities where I've had to say to my family, hey, listen, we're not going then. We're not going to go to that thing. We know this is really important, but we're not going to because we have something that we've committed to that is going to make a big impact for the kingdom of God. You know what? That's something that we've had to deal with over and over and over. And luckily, I mean, our families, I think they, they kind of understand. But you know what? Moms, moms want time with their kids. You know, it's a challenge. Another one is um, our kids' sleep schedule. That seems like that is like a sacred thing. It's very, very difficult. When our kids aren't sleeping, it is, you know, it, it wrecks everything. But we've had to get really creative because we wanted to see this church start. So our, our kids' sleep schedules have become... Uh, We've had to just get creative with it. They're, they've learned how to sleep in all kinds of different environments because uh, we wanted to make sure that it was a priority. And honestly, I, it's really exciting for me to see my kids growing up in a church plant because, um, man, it is, I, I want them to see that this work is so important to us, that what God's, like the spread of God's kingdom is super, super important. Another one is I hate missing work. And um, there have been a lot of opportunities, conferences that I could go to, things that I could do to help out with the church where I've had to take off work. And this is a really, really tricky one, even actually even really now, because it's like, oh, if I take off. Number one, I probably had it allocated for vacation time anyway. Like, man, I wanted to do this other vacation thing. But the other thing is that I know when I come back to work, it's going to bite me. There is going to be a cost for me being away from work. So that's been one I've had to deal with. Another one I just wanted to show real quick. I have another picture. This was from yesterday. So this was, uh, we did a evangelism training over at uh, Stone Arbor Church. So this is at their new facility. So you kind of see some of the new buildings going up in the background. Uh, Fifteen of us came out. And again, this is a sacrifice. It's Saturday, people. It's Saturday. It was a cold, rainy Saturday. And we brought our family out here because, honestly, getting training and sharing the gospel with other people is extremely important. And I know I'm going to be tired on Monday because of what I did on Saturday. And I was a little sick too this week. So it's like even bonus uh, excuse in there. But you know what? It was so worth it. It was fun actually hanging out with you guys. Um, I actually have another picture of kind of like the bigger room. There was actually 85 total people from Stone Arbor and 15 from our church. So it was a really great opportunity, not only for our group to get together and be encouraged and learn um, some very, very practical tools on how to help people learn about Christ. But it was also really fun to kind of just meet some of the other people that maybe I haven't, I don't know, over at uh, Stone Arbor. So again, these are opportunities that are out there, but they're going to take some level of sacrifice. 
And then finally, maybe there's just some big things. Honestly, as I've followed Christ now for a, quite a while, there have been quite a few dreams that I've seen die. There have been challenges that have come up in um, fears that I've had as we, we basically bind the life, our lives, and our family's life to the church. I hate crying in front of people, but I do it frequently. Um, sometimes. Uh, but what my wife and I have experienced is that we have gotten so much blessing knowing God at a deeper level, getting to serve with you guys. Um, I mean, again, blessings in all sorts of areas, financially and otherwise, that have been related to our deciding to say, you know what? We're putting our chips in the middle of the table. It's all for God. We will sacrifice. And I know that there's things on the horizon where we're going to be called to sacrifice again that I'm not ready to deal with that stuff yet. And thank God I do not have to deal with it just yet. But there will be more sacrifice called for because we live in a world that is, that is completely opposed to God's ways, that doesn't follow him. There's people who are are fooled and they're confused and they do not know that there is a light that Jesus Christ died for them and our God is worth it. So as we wrap up this morning, um, there's quite a few next steps that I've written down there. Simple things like signing up to volunteer. If you've never given to Valley Lights, you could do that today. Maybe write down an area where God is calling you to sacrifice. And then another one would be memorize Mark 8, 34 through 35. Honestly, memorizing that, God will speak to you. He'll point to an area of your life. So as we wrap up this morning, this is, uh, this is the last of this series. We've been looking at a fresh, the fresh air that comes from life in the kingdom. Four different ways that you can be a part of that. And honestly, I hope this wasn't a complete downer this morning. But the sacrifice truly is worth it. Jesus Christ, actually, it's an honor that we get to be a part of it. And so um, let's, let's uh, pray as we wrap up this morning. Dear God, um, we thank you so much for who you are. You are good. You don't need to have anything to do with us. Um, God, I pray that you would use um, your word to speak to us, uh, not my words, but your word, Lord God, that you've called us to sacrifice, to deny ourselves, and take up our cross. And you haven't done that because you hate us. You actually did that because you want to include us in the powerful things that you're doing on earth. God, praise you. Thank you so much for including us in what you can do, what, uh, what you can do through us. And I pray, Lord, that you would use this church to help people um, to follow you as we choose to sacrifice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.